Aloha and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. Uh, This is Stephanie Colvin and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me into your lives, into your home, your cars, wherever you may listen, while you're in the shower. Um, I so much appreciate you guys allowing me to be part of your lives, your day, your story, and your faith journey. So thank you. And it's because you continue to listen that this podcast continues to flourish and move on and grow. And uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure. I learn a lot from the podcast as well while I'm assembling the episodes. Oftentimes I re-listen to the episode um, so that I can hear the messages from the Spirit because I don't recall while I'm speaking. And it's just a true blessing in my life too. So thank you so very much. I have done a couple episodes called You Ask, I Answered. I have done a third episode. Um, And these essentially are questions that I've received that I've just kind of pondered and thought about that um, waited for the spirit to kind of move me and see what questions kind of catch my interest or my eye, um, catch my heart and how best to address these questions. I also look to answer the questions that are most um, most applicable to what we're going through now and uh, what the maybe confusions are with the members of the church um, that I see in large numbers now. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why I did the LGBTQ episode. Um, And then, of course, this third episode for the You Asked, I Answered. So that is coming up. And thanks again. Much aloha. I wanted to take the time to address some questions that I have been getting. It's been a while since I've done an episode on um, You Asked, I Answered. And the first thing that I wanted to answer was a question that was submitted um, about how I use the gospel to forgive the person that uh, basically abused me. And I... You know, it's so interesting because even when I was a teenager, I just wanted this to go away and to be done with. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I remember I forgave him when I was uh, in high school. But he, for whatever reason, always made my life very difficult. Um, I find that, uh, at least in the people that I know who have also been sexually abused, their abuser uh, tends to continue a um, pattern of cruelty through you know verbally abuse abusive and just kind of mean and that's definitely been in my case with my abuser he's still um even to this day very angry mean and acts like um everything that's gone on in his life that was wrong is my fault and um I don't understand it I think I've actually forgiven him probably four times in my life And uh, I'm definitely at peace with it now. I am grateful that uh, the Spirit has worked with me to um, be at peace with the entire situation and not be angry anymore. I never wanted to be well into my adult years and still be angry and bitter and um, just nasty because of what happened to me in my life. I just wanted it to be a part of my story and um, to have some good come out of it something that was good and I think that it's gotten there it's taken a lot of uh, 
years of me being very proactive with uh, my faith, um, the power of prayer, but also uh, therapy. And um, it has taken me quite some time. This was not a quick fix. Um, I saw a therapist uh, starting when I was 22. I had therapy off and on for it all the way up until my um, 40s. And uh, I had some great therapists and some not so great therapists. But um, between them and the good Lord and my faith and the spirit, I've been able to finally get to where I need to be, which has been a tremendous blessing to me to have peace with that because I used to just walk around angry all the time. Um, another question I get is, uh, <laughs> and it's so interesting how this one um, listener picked up on this, was that how do I handle my marriage or stay in my marriage when it's uh, so hard? Um, and I think that what sh this particular uh, listener is meaning by so hard is that just the level of mental illness that is present in our home, um, which affects our marriage, you know, our relationship, it affects our intimacy, it affects, especially with the medication, there's a lot of, a lot of um, very complex details that play into this that just makes it a challenge and by the world standard most people would say you know I don't I wouldn't blame you for for leaving and starting over and getting out of that situation but that's the beauty of being in the gospel um the very same challenges and hardships that my husband have are the same challenges and hardships that make him who he is and what I love about him Sometimes when we're married, the things that I love, you know, that we love about our spouse or partner can also be the things that bother us. <laughs> so, um, you know, they always say there's a very fine line between love and hate. You know, sometimes I've experienced that in my life. But um, with my husband and, and being sealed and in the church and in the gospel together, it's given us a greater chance at, um, you know, staying together and keeping our covenants and being sealed. Uh, so it's, you know, even right now we're going to couples therapy on the weekends and we're working on that aspect of our marriage, the affection, the attention, the, it's so hard for him to be, um, a selfless when he's surviving every day. When you feel like you're surviving every day, you can't help but think about yourself all the time. So, um, yeah, we're in the middle of doing that right now. As a matter of fact, um, it's been hard for a long time, and uh, I've been battling a depression that I felt encroaching upon my brain, which is like a fog. It's like a heavy fog. Um, I think in combination with that and the stress in my life, there was a few weeks last week or in the, within the last month that I just uh, was barely functioning. I couldn't even really um, come up with words. So if I was going to tell somebody to instruct somebody to you know, can you please move this over there? I couldn't think of what the name of the object was called. Um, and so my therapist told me that I was functioning under very high stress. And I had like a couple weeks of like dementia. Even when I'm just talking, my mind just going blank and I can't even carry on a conversation. So it's been difficult. It's been hard. Um, I went into survival mode myself. And when I do that, it's very hard on my husband 
um, because he has, you know, he does not have the ability to take care of me. Um, and that's essentially what I had to tell him is if you can somehow, some way put yourself to the side and, you know, put me first and make me important as your wife to come and take care of me and help me out of the situation, I would welcome it because I really look at him as the only, um, a salve, healing salve to that wound. Um, but he wasn't able to, he wants to. He's not sure exactly what that means. And this kind of comes along with his mind. Um, you know, he just doesn't, he's very, um, you know, like social cues, relationship cues. He doesn't really get, sometimes he's socially awkward and um, definitely relationship wise, he's awkward. And so I, even after 11 years, I'm still teaching him a lot of things and um, he's learning a lot of things through the therapist. I'm learning a lot of things through the therapist, such as what does a marriage intimacy look like in a marriage that is ordained of God? I have no clue. I don't know what's okay and what's not okay. And neither does my husband. So we're figuring that out. Um, there's no answer. We've asked the bishop. We've asked the state president. Um, you know, we've asked therapists that are LDS and... Uh, because of our background and experience and the things when you put my husband and I together when it comes to intimacy we've got some issues there so uh, we're trying to address those for the longevity of our life and trying to make life a little bit easier in our marriage here and uh, I'm hoping that we can do that but yeah it's um kind of like uh, I pep talk myself every day I use my faith, um, you know, kind of like embrace the suck if today's an extra bad day for him because, mind you, he's got OCDs, so that's repetitive negative thoughts, so pretty much every day can be a bad for him. And so some days, you know, are extra bad for him, then I just have to do the best I can to uh, try to rise up and meet his needs, but... Uh, really trying to get him to a point where he can help take some stress off my plate so that then I can have more room for my marriage and not be so dysfunctional in my mind because the stress is just taking its toll. Stress is so hard on a body. I mean, I've been told this my whole life, but now that I'm actually experiencing and living it, um, I've had recently times where my body aches so badly my bones and everything from all of the stress and lack of sleep and tending to my family um so yeah just doing the best i can to be wise uh to have boundaries and to remember that i'm not jesus christ it's jesus christ who does the ministering and the healing uh, i can do so much but i can't i mean their agency is their agency and so I can, all I can do is just put their name on the temple roll, pray fast, help in any way I can, and that's it. And it's being, you know, basically the serenity prayer is knowing and understanding the things that you don't have control over and being okay with that. So sometimes that can be hard. Um, another question that I've received repeatedly over and over, and I've actually tried to stay away from this question because... Just my personal opinion, I think it's so dumb. <laughs> but 
but that's just how I feel. And, and basically my spiritual, I had a wonderful spiritual experience in the temple one time about Eve and, uh, her role in establishing the earth with God's children. And, um, the question that I get a lot is about the priesthood, you know, women in the priesthood. How do I feel the fact that I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this and I can't do that? And um, honestly, I just don't even really look at the gospel in that perspective of things I can and cannot do. Um, I look at the gospel in um, complementaries. So in the gospel, you're going to find a lot of things that complement each other. And through that complement, uh, re complementary relationship, there are many blessings and lessons that transpire there and things that we need to learn. So I'm okay with the men holding the priesthood and doing the blessings and the baptisms and the setting apart. I'm okay with the Lord saying, okay, this is what, in my gospel, my church, I want the men to do this and I want the women to do that. I don't really look at this as a, oh Lord, but I want to do this. So you need to give me the power to do this because you are about equity after all. And I want to do this. Um, and I don't know if that's the perspective of people who believe that that's an issue that that women can't hold the priesthood. Okay. I'm, I don't know what everybody thinks and why they feel this way. All I can tell you is that based on my own information, my own studying, searching, my own spiritual experiences, I understand firmly the priesthood power and that God's house is a house of order. And there's plenty of things that I can do as a woman in his church and gospel that a man can't do. So it's together as in the unifying that you see the divinity of miracles and blessings from Father in Christ. And you unify when you bring your talents together. So we unify in marriage, in the home. We unify in uh, leadership councils. We unify in Sunday school. We unify, you know, at sacrament. Um, when we're set apart, we're set apart through the power of priesthood. So we have priesthood power to do our callings, especially when it comes to ministering to other people. We do have the power of priesthood. So I think that sometimes when they ask that question, um, you know, we don't always want to be exactly like other people. You need to be careful about what you ask for. Um, and let's face it, God's just got a better imagination than we do. And there are just some things that we're just not going to understand here. And so we have to trust him. And that's why it's important to come to understand and know his character, who he is, and the same with Jesus Christ so that you can trust them. It's just like if you met somebody, if you met somebody on the first day and you were talking to them, I mean, your general impression is they're a nice person. They seem pretty decent. Uh, yeah, I wasn't afraid around them. And, you know, I may have had a couple laughs and enjoyed their time. Um, and then you continue to hang out with that person and get to know them better and better. And uh, lo and behold, time goes on. And as you get to know this person, all of a sudden you're willing to maybe stand on their behalf. 
be a witness for them of their character and who they are. And yet, do you really know them? You know what I mean? But see, that's the difference that the Holy Ghost plays in our lives. The Holy Ghost testifies truth to our hearts. And the Holy Ghost does that and teaches us that the characteristics of God and Jesus Christ, our Father in heaven. And, you know, Christ is our Father too. He inherited us. He bought and paid for us. So, uh, no, I don't have a problem with the priesthood. And I don't think that everything needs to be fair. Um, and I do like the talk that I did um, cover in an episode last year about how life is unfair. And quite frankly, we want it to be that way. I mean, really think about if it was fair. Would it be more judgment versus mercy then? You know what I mean? So I do not have a problem with the priesthood um, and the way that uh, Christ Church is run. And not only that, I would never, ever tell Christ how to run his church because I know not a thing compared to him. And that's kind of how I look at it. Um, not only that, I have a very strong, uh, very powerful, faith-filled mother who um, has exercised the power of the priesthood in our family when my dad was not available. And um, like I've said before in prior episodes, the gospel is black and white, but there's a lot of gray areas, and we follow the Spirit in those gray areas. So I'm going to answer one last question. I get this a lot, especially from people that I'm still friends with before I return to church, is why? Why do I choose not to smoke? Why do I choose not to drink? Why do I choose not to participate in what the world has defined as adult behavior and fun time? Okay? I mean, literally, it seems like as you grow up, drinking and being an adult go hand in hand. You know, now that marijuana is legalized, same thing. I mean, and it can go on and on and on and on, especially here in California as they're handing out all kinds of drug paraphernalia to the people that, you know, have severe addictions. Um, it's kind of scary. It's very scary, as a matter of fact. Um, so why would I stay true to that? You know, it's a law of health is the way I look at the word of wisdom. And in that law of health, there are rules as with any eternal law. And when we obey those rules, there are blessings uh, through the, that come from that obedience. So... Um, I do it because the more that you desire after Jesus Christ, the more you try to live the life of the gospel in your, you know, in your daily living, the more you make it a part of you, the more you don't want to partake in the world, the more you don't want to be doing the things that the world offers, the more you want to be different from the world, the more peculiar you want to be. Um, and how do I remain steadfast? I have talked very openly before about my addictions. I have a very addictive personality. 
And it is not just relegated to um, food and drugs and alcohol. I mean, I was addicted to the gym for 10 years. the, The gym time that I had really set the tone for the day. Talk about putting your happiness into something that you really don't control, you know. It's not good. It's not good at all. Um, uh, there are times that I hit rock bottom and I really struggle to maintain the word of wisdom. And when those times do rear its ugly head and it does from time to time, I do exactly what the gospel has taught me because I have, anytime I try to do anything else, I am miserable absolutely miserable when I try to do things my way miserable absolutely miserable but when I follow the gospel and I repent and ask for strength and ask to not bear the burden of my sins and believe and and just throw myself into the gospel um there is that strength that comes with that obedience Not to mention all the other things that we can do to strengthen ourselves on a daily basis, including, you know, always having a prayer in our hearts, reading the scriptures, um, being kind to people that you interact with, that you run into in your daily living, and more. You know, the more that you strive to be like Christ, the easier it is to turn from sin. But that will be a lifelong challenge for me. Um... And I know it and I feel it. I am wanting to give my all to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm wanting to hand over every weakness, every burden, and every strength that he can use to help bring our brothers and sisters back home. Um, Some days I'm better at it than others. I just do my best to not beat myself up and to live the gospel and also to love myself. You know, that commandment to love one another means we need to love ourselves too. And that's something that I learned as I got older. And I'm trying to remember that every day. If there are any other questions you guys have, do not hesitate to DM me on Instagram, podcast, Or you can email me at ldsrealpeoplerealives at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time.